This is the hour of decision. My name is Luke Moore. Tonight, we're going to talk a grassroots warrior, somebody who decided to get involved and try to get somebody elected to the legislature, then went with him to the legislature as a staffer. He's been involved in presidential politics. He decided to start an, an initiative that came with just a hair's breadth of winning for traditional marriage in Washington state. He's been a county council staffer a couple of times, including he's one right now. He's been involved with the John Burt Society. I know that's a little controversial, but we're talking about that. And we're going to talk about operating as a patriot, an unabashed patriot in a blue state. And finally, we're going to talk about his son who got wrapped up in this tyrannical, terrible January 6th situation. I want to welcome to our decision my good friend, Larry Stickney. Larry, thank you for being here. Thank you. I, I love, like, love your show. I listened to it the other night, and uh, it's just fantastic what you're doing here, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Good to see you. Thank you. So, Larry, how did you get involved in politics? You seem like a nice guy. Why would you want to get into that kind of a you know, I I kind of grew up in a a little like you. I I I heard I know that your mother used to drag you to precinct meetings and things like that. I I, I read that somewhere, but I actually had a, a mom and a dad uh, that were conservatives. I used to say my 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 dad was a Republican. My mom was a conservative, but because she <laughs> she kind of got me involved in looking at some of the I think the deeper aspects of it, but. Uh, Okay. My dad, my dad was a good guy, but uh, we were we talked about things around the kitchen table growing up, and then um, I grew up in the seventies. Things were going wrong, uh, real real fast. Having grown up in a Christian home, I, my parents had moved us out. Of, we were small town Minnesota people, and then we ended up in Bellevue of all places. And my dad, mom and dad came up as school teachers. Dad went to work for IBM, but it, it, make a long story short. We were a very Christian family, almost puritanical, northern Minnesotan-type people, Lutheran folks, and just uh, uh, God country and family-type people. And then all of a sudden, we were in the middle of the 70s, you know, and growing up in Bellevue, which isn't the Bellevue of today. It was it was kind of a raucous place and not far from Seattle. And we had lots of things happening at the University of Washington when I was 10 years old and it, it it took an it took a it took an effect on or it had an effect on me and all the things were happening with Nixon and uh, the anti-war demonstrations uh, hit close to home around our place and had a cousin in Vietnam three cousins at the same time we used to pray around the dinner table so there was a lot of things going on and we learned about what was happening in current events and and it only made sense as a Christian kid in time uh, to uh, decide to take a stand somewhere sure. So what was the first political campaign you were involved with? Well, I, I got to tell you, I spent my 80s as a young guy. I went up to work. Um, I, I'd gone to a couple years of school, did some political science classes up at Bellevue Community, but I, I went up to Alaska for a few years and worked up on at the tail end of the pipeline up there, young as I am. But uh, <laughs> those are the days. Just and I, like, what got me interested is I started, uh, a lot of the guys... Uh, you know, the pipeline camp, you know, guys would drink and smoke, and I, I was determined I wasn't going to uh, get involved in a lot of that stuff. So I, I started, I, I actually started reading the Anchorage Times and and ingesting 
periodicals and conservative magazines. I, I just I had a hunger for it, and I, I, I went through stacks of books and magazines up there, and uh, I started to read a lot of Pat Buchanan's material when I act. So I, I was kind of an early disciple of Pat Buchanan, and uh, I found his readings to be powerful and, and patriotic and, and, and good Americanism, which uh, absolutely got me interested. But I did work on the, the first campaigns I worked on when I got back to Washington were Believe it or not, Slade Gorton for senator and Bob Williams for governor. You might remember those days. I was in both those campaigns. Late, late 80s, and I, I got involved yep. up at the, uh, it, when I moved out to Paulsbow and bought a house. And uh, about, I'll be darned if I didn't move uh, into the same precinct as Bruce and Ellen Craswell. No names you would you would know. They got the Dave friends. Yeah. So. Yeah, they were warriors and a half. So, sure. They were. Yeah. Sure. So, um, you were you kind of the catalyst of this state legislative campaign I referred to when John Coster decided to take a shot, get into the state legislature. Well, I actually had been a staff guy down there for a couple terms. I first went with, with, in with with a guy named Steve Hardrope, great conservative. Then Mike Sherstead, I ran his office for a couple of years. But John Coster and I, there there was uh, uh, another gentleman you may remember, Ed Motes. He was an attorney with the staff and. Yeah, a guy named Chuck Beck. These are all guys that we kind of found each other down there, staffers, and we gravitated toward the more conservative legislators. You know, in those days, it was uh, John Coster and Val Stevens, and there was quite a group of them in those days, and Gene Goldsmith. But uh, uh, at any rate, John this, uh, started what they called was uh, the, the conservative caucus in those days. And and I became the staff, and Ed Motes became the kind of our uh, our attorney and, and we kind of all held hands and we started that group in my apartment in Olympia with a 386 computer. And uh, at one time we were making a lot of racket. I know that. Mm-hmm. And we were the subject of a horsey political cartoon of Dr. Frankenstein that's it, it, on his forehead. It said conservative caucus, you know, and it was not a nice cartoon, but uh, we were making a racket. Yeah. Yeah. David Horsey with the, uh, uh, Seattle PI, is that right? I, you know, when I, you know, I, I, I think back in, was it horsey? I think so. But, uh, I, I have a horsey. So I don't know if I have it right handy here. Yeah, I do. I got to show you, Larry. This is an original. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's, it's as true today as it's ever been. Uh, with third world loans, corporate debt, trade deficit, floating interest rate, uh, federal interest rates, federal deficit and here's america still hanging on that this is the early 1990s right the yeah. horsey cartoon yeah, well it was yeah you know and, and and he was he's terrific and talented but he's he's wrong about 95 percent of the it's the blo- broken crop clock thing there with with horsey he got it yeah. right on that one didn't he yep yeah. yeah yeah you know he was an intern you know this i, I don't want to turn this into too much of an inside baseball podcast well he was an intern for Jack, for Jack Metcalf, my old boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that, no, he had different political ideas. So anyway, t- talk about, Larry, what is it like to elect somebody to a state representative, state senate position when you're not the guys with the corporate money, when you don't have the big packs behind you? T- talk about that a little bit, if you would. Well, the, 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 one example was... Uh, when, when we first uh, elected Steve Hardgrove on Kipsap Peninsula, he was uh, he'd been on the school board up there, and 
he was a good man, and but, but nobody, you know, he came out of nowhere, and we we took out a big fish on the Democrat side, who'd been the majority lead, one of the majority leaders in Olympia, a guy named Paul Zelinsky. and uh, he was a he was considered a shoe in every year, and uh, uh, but we just we had some grassroots campaigns that uh, were uh, enormous efforts in you know with the uh, uh, campaign signs and materials and. You know, we bought a Risograph printer, and we could print our own material. And I, you know, we could get out eighty thousand uh, pieces of material and get them in the mail, if you can believe that. For you know, on a you know low budget, and you know, blanketed them in town and put them on windshields at Whaling Fest, places like that. And there's ways you can do it, and you, there's ways you can get the word out if if you got the will. And uh, and we did, and we, we turned that. Uh, campaign into part of that 94, you know, Gingrich sweep and, and uh, blew into Olympia, Washington with a Senate and House majority that year. It's the last time that, you know, we had a real Republican voice, you know, and we had it for a number of years at Olympia. And uh, those were good days, Lou. You you remember them well, I'm sure. I do remember them well. Yeah, we got, we had, uh, what, seven of the nine congressional seats for two years were Republican in Washington State. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it shows it can happen. And, uh, you know, maybe we're approaching something like that again, but I don't know. There's a lot of intangibles out there now that we weren't dealing with them, like immigration and uh, voter fraud. That uh, You know, this mail-in ballot stuff is, uh, is frightful. Yeah, I mean, I just have to point out, as you are well aware, uh, from the time they passed universal mail-in ballots in Washington State, not a single I don't believe a single statewide Republican has won other than the Secretary of State, which was kind of the rhino chair. <laughs> yeah, that's traditionally been the a rhino chair, it seems like. But they've trusted Republicans with Secretary of State and Attorney Generals on occasion. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm a little hopeful this year. We've got, uh, it looks like a, a pretty good candidate for governor in Reichert. And then you've got this other guy, Semi Bird, running, who's... I think generally seen as more conservative, but I heard Reichert speak the other night, and by golly, he sounded like Pat Buchanan on the Stafford. I, I, I just, I, I was impressed. Yeah, I got to say, yeah, I, he's five years retired, and he's came back talking about his kids and his grandkids, and you know, he's just ticked off at the way the state's going, and 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 Dave's, yeah, he's got a lot of charisma. He does. He saw the Green River Killer. Only murder. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. That's right. So, so. Well, you know, I just did a podcast, Larry. It's not up yet, but about the Overton window, moving the Overton window. What, what uh, we can talk about, what you can talk about that people in the mainstream can grasp onto. And I think that's an example of it. A guy like Dave Reichard wouldn't have talked that way 10 years ago, even if he felt that way. Yeah, yeah, his uh, record wouldn't uh, was not all that great. You know, he was probably a forty, fifty percenter on the conservative index. But uh, my goodness, uh, to hear him the other night, uh, I, I go, boy, if he's half as good as he sounds tonight, um, you know, it'll be, you know, be a good thing. But we've got this villain named Ferguson that's the Democrats are putting up, who's a, you know, JN. He's been terrible, but but uh, uh, Ferguson seems to be his evil twin, and he's he's scary. He's uh, he goes after people. He's chased people out of the state, and what he what they've done to Tim Iman, for instance, and then a, a and, and an old attorney friend of mine. They they I, I, I it's just 
awful what uh, a lot of the intimidation that's happened here in this state. And it's getting into a place that uh, a lot of people have moved out of, unfortunately. Yes, indeed. Of course, I did it for love, Larry. I, I like that. I, yeah, I know. Well, I, 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 I jumped out of here for a year, but I, I felt like, and, and I loved it. I went to, I, I went to Texas to help the, the, you know, things down there in 2020, 21. And to help the uh, keep Texas red effort down there was my attitude. And uh, and then uh, uh, circumstances brought us back. I, f- I feel like Jonah. I got spat up on the beach of Puget Sound again. And uh, yeah, here I am ready to help. But uh, not that I'm real important either. Yeah, but they need you in the Puget Sound region right now. But you're probably one of these guys like, God, is this really my calling? I mean, couldn't I just... Uh... Ag in Florida or something, but the, I know I, 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 I loved Texas so much. I don't think I had ever left. But you know, you know, I got I've got nine kids. You know, and uh, they all live here. And I've got my eighty-nine-year-old mother living with us. And I had a little health scare that it, it all brought me back to Seattle. And here we are. And we're in the fight, and uh, it's it's kind of like being a missionary in New Guinea or something like that in the old days with headhunters and hostile uh, tribes and and you know uh, it's a target rich environment if you want to be in politics you gotta watch that political correctness a little bit like i suppose yeah, yeah, yeah no, no head honors <laughs> so well, i want to go, go back larry because uh, i mean you tell me but i would say the most uh, titanic battle you put yourself in the middle of and you put yourself in the middle of a number of them but was when you took on the traditional marriage issue and I remember calling me on the phone, and, and you said, well, what about the LDS people? Are they going to swing in on this? And the LDS church had just taken a heck of a beating in right. California, and, and they backed off. I, I'm not justifying that. I'm not saying they made the right move, but people were backing off of this fight, even very powerful institutions. And Larry Stickney just dove right in the middle of it. So, so tell me about that a little bit. Oh, on the I got. I do got to say that our our first major donor and and largest donor of the campaign was an LDS guy, and and he was pointed in our direction by an LDS uh, ex Republican staffer who is now a kind of a big name lobbyist in Libya who sent him our direction. So we did get a little help from our friends there in the LDS, uh, the, you know, the individuals anyway. But uh, right, I remember they were getting beat up after California's uh, referendum down there. The, the, the church had been getting beat up, so. Yeah, they were a little gun shy when when we came along, and uh, but it was a, a big effort, and fundraising was tough because of uh, intimidation, and and then we had, uh, you know, all these, you know, we when we gathered all the signatures, I mean, that was the governor Gregoire at the time threw every monkey wrench she could possibly throw at us, and you know, uh, they even declared it an emergency session or something to pro. Uh, that put us off, you know, in our time. And we had, we had under 60 days to gather an enormous amount of signatures. We got them anyway because of... Do you remember how many it was? It was, in, it was because it was a referendum. It was, uh, we needed 125,000 or so, and we were able to get 135 or 140. And, you know, we exceeded... Please. And, you know, we got it in short order. And we, you may remember the referendum itself. They, they said it was going to be impossible for us to write it. 
because it was a hundred pages and we put it into a, a big, it was like a newspaper and you'd have to fold it out and they made fun of it. But, you know, we, we, we printed them on newsprint in time and, and got them around all parts of the state. And, you know, the, there was so much text in it that, you know, it had to fold out on this, all these pages and, uh, People were saying it couldn't be done, but but we got it done, and we got those around the the, the state, and and people rallied, and uh, and you know we likely uh, had we not, I think, if anything, we we were winged by some of our own folks. Some of the churches in King County uh, decided it wasn't the time to do that referendum, and told people to stay away from it. But uh, I you know I, I think the math said had we been able to pull five six thousand more people out of King County, we'd have had the thing. Because five swing, you know, five or six thousand would have swung towards us, and so it, it made so much of a, a difference. But uh, what but now? It, what year was that again? Was that night? That was two thousand nine. Or two thousand nine. Oh, that's yeah. jeez. Been a while. Yeah, lots. A lot of stuff has got on between that yeah. and now. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. of course. Yeah, sure. So, uh, uh, how do you, Larry? How do you motivate people to get involved in something like that? The establishment's against you. Maybe your ministers against you are saying, you know, that's not the right time and all that. How do you motivate people to put on that Herculean type of effort? Because, I mean, we just tried to do a ballot initiative in this state, uh, and we had a very short time window. This is for to get rid of the universal mail-in ballots we have here. And, you know, we got 30,000 people in about 60 days. And uh, we thought, gee, uh, that's really a lot of people. You know, it wasn't nearly enough. But what you did, incredible. Yeah, well, of course, on that issue at the time, that was the tip of the spear. It was, you know, you know, had we turned it in Washington, you know, we might have that might have uh, set something off, you know, across the country. And sadly, it, uh, you know, it ended up, you know, going the other direction just slightly. So I mean, I, our effort was a righteous one and and a good one. And and I see Alito to this day is. Uh, you know, wanting to revisit this whole federal, uh, you know, law, and uh, yeah, you know, we'd like to be a part of that someday. But I, I can, I can see that. Uh, well, I can see where you, you know, we talked about it in those days. That uh, uh, well, for one thing, Lou, I almost got sued. They were trying to sue me for fraud because we put on the referendum itself a little box that said, "If homosexual marriage becomes law of the land, it will be taught in public schools as." as normal uh, behavior. And for that little box I put there, we had Perkins Coie lawyers coming at us and uh, threatening us with, with fraud. And, and we had a three-day window to answer how we came up with that little box there in a superior court in King County. And we put a 40-page piece together. And there, at the time, there hadn't been a lot of precedent for that, that we, you know, we didn't have a lot of, we weren't able to, you know, have a lot of, uh, new facts on our side to prove that because it wasn't the law of the land yet, but we were able to do it and won the case. But uh, uh, I, I think you can see in it, since then that uh, things have deteriorated rapidly. And that, and that had been our point was if if this goes, you know, you know, it was at the bar the gates, you know, they're coming for us. And, and now, I mean, we're way down the road. The homosexual marriage to some people seems like an established ideal at this point, but uh, a lot of us uh, think it was the beginning of a, a lot of problems, and now we're, we've graduated into this transsexual movement and all these uh, strange oddities, and, and, and gosh knows what's next. God help us on this, but uh, 
you asked about how do we motivate people. Well, I was, after coming out of Texas for a year and back into Washington and a number of years in eastern Washington to come back into the blue, blue west side, I'm, I am amazed at, at people that are, you know, willing to step up and we've got the, you know, you've got these Moms for Liberty groups now and uh, the, the conservative ladies of Western Washington that have run a couple of, they've run an initiative on this sex ed craziness that they've passed in Washington. And, and it's, it's usually people that, that, that come in and they just, it, it doesn't make any sense to them what's happening. And then being able to gather those people, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of good folks that, uh, that you know, come into politics and they they completely ignore the fact that we're a sixty forty Democrat state, and they uh, they say, well, we just have to talk some sense into people, and and that still that still works now and then. We had a uprising here in Pierce County just recently with a great grassroots effort. We were able to gun down a. Uh, a DEI committee that they were going to be, it was going to be a paid full or a, a financed in, in, in a paid position. Well, at least paid to attend, the, you know, the meetings It'd be one of the only appointed committees in Pierce County where they get a stipend. And it, it had a couple of uh, university professors that were BLM activists on it. And, uh, it was all about DEI craziness, and uh, we had an uprising out here. The hearing that they were trying to, you know, a couple of months back, where they were uh, working at Pierce County to make this a permanent arrangement, and then people rose up, showed up at the hearing, and we and we shot it down to the amazement of anyone involved, and and the anger of the uh, very militant uh, county chair, who's a very much of a uh, rainbow activist. Let's put it that way. A Republican county chair, or no, no, uh, a Republican or Pierce County chairman of the county council. Oh, the county council. Okay. County council is a uh, it, it's a it's a four to three Democrat majority with the uh, the deep blue Tacoma folks running things out here. It's a strange county, Pierce County, because you have a you have deep blue, the deepest blue you can have downtown Tacoma, and then we have our crowd out here, you know, from. Fredrickson to Graham to Eatonville, heading out towards Mount Rainier, a big rural county, 65% Republican county. I think Amy Kruver and Jim McCune, they get elected with close to 70% of their constituents out here. So it's a we're a little bastion of freedom and hope here, but we're, but we're living, you know, in a really dis, uh, dysfunctional blue state government here. Yes, indeed. Yeah, well, you know, you're talking a little bit about Subject I brought up in a podcast about this idea of a great divorce. I mean, you take, you say, well, let's divorce the red states and the blue states. But you take a blue state like Washington and not just eastern Washington, which Steve Bannon was talking about this morning. Eastern Washington should leave and go to Idaho or whatever. But you take western Washington and you get off the I-5 corridor, that's God's country all the way around. I mean, am I wrong about that? I mean, that's what you're saying. And I think with the referendum that we did on gay marriage, I think we won... And like in, in say a, a Rossi run for governor, we were we won all but four or five counties, thirty nine counties, and and you know of course the the, the big populations are four or five counties, and uh, you know but we can almost tip it if we get the rest of them. But uh, and uh, 
But, you know, it's kind of the phenomenon around the country is these giant urban centers are, you know, wagging the dog. And in Washington, uh, well, you, what do they used to say? It was the Gold Rock State versus the Needleton. You know, it's it's what you could see from the Space Needle. And and then the rest of the state that you could see from the Gold Rock Mountains up there, which, which was all of eastern Washington and some of the rural areas on the west side. But, uh, you know, we're, we're hostage here, but they're not going to let people go. I mean sympathetic to the the uh, guys who want to move eastern Washington into Idaho, but how are you ever going to get the legislature to allow that here? That, 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 this is the problem. It's just, really? you remember, Larry, I'm sure you do, when parts of Snohomish County, the north part and the east part, wanted to separate from the rest of Snohomish County up in Everett area, uh, you know, that, that they would have died first before they let, let any of those people go. So, no, I, I know what you mean. I, that was Liberty County, as I recall. And they... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, we just have to win. We just have to win everywhere. But uh, so, you know, you're unique, Larry, in that you've taken a lot of bold stands in your life, but you've spent a lot of time working within the government. I mean, as a right. as a state legislative staffer, and twice now, two different counties, as a as a county staffer for for a council member which is like a, a supervisor if you're a different state or a commissioner uh you know some counties are on commission system but uh talk about that a little bit talk about how i i mean what what, what can you get done what is the advantage for somebody like you to be uh in the proximity of the pierce county council at tacoma yeah. washington a lot it's 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 course it's frustrating though you know to be in the minority status but I, I've been on both ends of it we had majorities when I was a staffer in the early days you know back in the mid 90s at Olympia but and then we had a majority up at Snohomish County uh, for a, you know for four years and then uh, they the, the D's took it back and then and then joining Pierce County now as a minority staffer uh, is very frustrating with especially with the activist uh, group that's currently running it um you know, our work is, you know, we, we settle for a lot of the scraps and, you know, our, the, the battles we win are small and uh, they're satisfying, but small, but uh, not completely satisfying, of course. But, you know, they're pretty much uh, running the show now in the state of Washington. And, it, it, you know, it's gotten, you know, there we've become a Petri dish here, as you know, Lou, for all kinds of things. And, and right now this, uh, you know, what's coming out of our state legislature is actually frightening, you know, nuts and bolts laws, behind the scenes stuff that, uh, you know, we take for granted, you know, obscenity laws in, you know, say under 21 bars and things like that. And, you know, they're, they're changing everything and, you know, they're doing it, uh, you know, systemically and, uh, and it's, 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 you know, we conservatives, you know, we we're almost delegated to a point of you know just squawking about it and uh, and waving our fists and you know uh, being mad and yelling at the TV set here. Uh, but uh, uh, I guess our my attitude has always been well you know it's a giant tug of war and you know we've got thousands of people on our side and they've got their thousand and and everybody pulls their weight on the smallest issues they they add up in time and. Uh, Eventually, in the great scheme of things, in the battle, it's you know it's it's the Lord's battle, and, and we just got to be uh, try and stay on track and not get off on too many tangents, but to pull together on the on the issues that matter most. Sure, and once you say, Larry, I mean whether it's a 
ballot initiative or uh, these fights now, the local legislative fights, aren't, aren't people gaining experience that work with you? I mean, if, if, now time means everything in politics, and if the time comes when it could tip, when things could go our way, we have to have people that know what they're doing in government. Oh. Yeah, I know. I that, that's a you know a terrific point. It's like, I mean, I mean, yeah, I remember you know our side. We don't have the government operatives that their side does. So when we blow in the power, well, I mean, it's like Trump. Look at all the people he brought in with him. That really, you know, you, you have to have capable people. But sometimes they're you know our bench isn't real deep. So you're drawing on people that may not be the best or even on your side sometimes. And Reagan had the same problem. I mean. You know, we we just didn't have a, a a big bench. We didn't have a thousands of Ronald Reagans to to surround him with, or uh, or Donald Trumps to surround him with. You know, so you get a smattering of people with government experience, but too many of them are are operative types that you know are just government people that you know, and they they tend to fall in with the uh, the deep state, as you say. And we we have our own deep state here in Washington as well. And uh, entrenched step. Well, yeah, I, I'm optimistic about Trump because it seems like that that deficit is well recognized in the Heritage Foundation. Some of these others, I mean, they got like two, three thousand kids they're training to take office with Trump. Yeah, if we yeah. get him get him back in there. So yeah, I know. I'm optimistic I, about that. Yeah, and we kind of you know, bless you know, and I, I think the homeschool movement's been good. That you know, there's a. As a matter of fact, I know a kid that you know uh, just graduated Regent University. He's going and you know, he's going to be he's going into politics. So we've got some good people, that, young people that are uh, you know doing the things they need to do to get up into those higher staff positions and and then affect things. And, and you know, uh, from being back in D.C., how important those staffers are. Uh, critical, absolutely critical. So you you got to take a sojourn to Texas. Yeah. And you were working with the John Birch Society. That's right, Larry. How could you do that? They're extremists. They're dangerous. They're 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 terrible. What's so, going on here? Right. Yeah. No. And I <laughs> I had had some exposure to John Birch as a kid. My I think my parents attended a few meetings here and there. But uh, um, I started, you know, always looking for you know conservative material to, you know, for you know, policy information. And I I started to you know read a lot of the Birch stuff. The, the, I you know I I didn't find them to be so terrible at all, and as a matter of fact, it seems like they've been right for about sixty years. There, the the big rap had been the paranoia against communism. Well, you know, you know, to have it, you know, described, you know, by Robert Welch and Art Thompson and some of these uh, intellectuals on the Birch side, uh, you know, uh, just imagine the you know the conspiracy's been around for quite a while, you know, uh, there, but there's been thousands of players and. They simply point out all the nuances, and that the, you know, really that conspiracy has has been about uh, the eradication of of Christianity in the United States of America as we know it. And uh, uh, they've they've uh, voluminous amounts of literature, libraries they've uh, uh, researched, and there's just a you know a lot of truth to be found, I think, in their material. And it's you know they've been a, I I I think they've been again they. Maybe they're a little bit back in fashion now because they uh, they've been right for so long, you know. And and I think they, you know, they've created a lot of groups around the country, small groups. And what they've tried to do is keep people on track and try and uh, you know continue to stand up for the integrity of the Constitution as uh, you know originally framed. And I, 
I don't see a big problem with that. Yeah, no, I don't either. I, I do not either. So tell me about uh, working in Texas at the grassroots level after working for so long in the bowels of the newest <laughs> part of America. I, I can't tell you how wonderful that an experience that, that was because, uh, you know, the first thing you notice when you get off the airplane, of course, for us or when we arrived in Texas was there's a lot of prosperity. And, you know, the, the, there's highways everywhere. I've never seen such a road system as around Dallas. And we were, we stayed, we were up in North Dallas, up in the Wiley area up there. And, and it, we ended up attending uh, First Baptist Church in Dallas. And there's another one in Plano. You, 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 the, again, the, one of the first things you notice will be the big, the Bap, you know, Baptist churches or evangelical churches, churches everywhere. But these churches are bursting at the seams. People go to church on Sunday, and then the restaurants are filled with people having attended church. And and then uh, somebody like me, I could attend the Birch meeting in downtown Dallas, and without fear of being uh, labeled a, a, a kook or a nut. And, and you know, we had uh, a group uh, down there, uh, well over you know many hundreds down there. And then we had ex Dallas Cowboys, ex Olympians. It, it was kind of mainstream to be conservative. You could be as conservative as you wanted to or in, in that area, at least where we were meeting and, and around the state. And uh, gosh, you've got 240 counties in Dallas and maybe a, a, a half a dozen of them are, are, are liberal counties and that's it. And they're all in the big cities, but uh, they've got a Supreme Court that, that I think they're, they're all conservatives. <laughs> and a couple of guys, I, as I understand it, were even affiliated with the Birch you know, Society at some point, and at least have had some influence there. So it was a breath of fresh air, even though they've got their problems, that's for sure. There's been an effort to turn Texas purple and then blue, but uh, they seem to fight it off. I loved the Texas spirit. I felt like in all my travels, in, you know, I'm, I'm not that well-traveled, but I've been around a little bit, but I, I felt like I really had found America down there more than... It was just the right combination to me of of patriotism and, you know, the ability to find fellow Christians and... Uh, like-minded people, and you could take your kids to put your kids in the sports programs and not have to worry about the bad influences or the crazy stuff. And it was just real mainstream America, as I recall it growing up. Let's put it that way. I loved it. Absolutely. I sure. absolutely loved it. I, well, I, I can't tell, Larry. I can't tell yeah. how you feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, anyway, but the, the Lord brought me back to Washington and I, I scratched my head. My wife, we, we just, we felt like we, we have to be here at least at this time. And again, it's a, 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 a mission to us. And my wife is actually the uh, coordinator for uh, uh, Western Washington and Oregon John Birch Society. So she's taken over that and she does a great job with that. But uh, it's, it's like, uh, well, you know, Larry, uh, Charlie Kirk just got himself in a big controversy lately because he has started, talking about the Overton window opening up, he has started to talk about the truth of the civil rights movement yeah. and about Martin Luther King Jr. And, you know, these are things the Birch Society, they were way out in front of this, and people right. thought, well, these are the worst racists. How could they yeah. even think this? Of course, one thing they overlooked, most of the people leading the Birch effort were black. They were most of the first... Uh, well-spoken black conservative representatives out there were birchers. I remember this from when I was a kid. But, sure. uh, uh, yeah, I mean, th they had been way out of, in front of all this stuff. I mean, let's just be frank about it. Yeah, and birch, you know, they, they dive, they, they dig deep into this stuff. And, and, you know, with the civil rights movement, 
they, they, what they try and do is point out you know, even the abolitionists in the, 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 the day gone by, way back when, uh, civil rights movement, a, a lot of those folks were using a good issue, civil rights, and we all support civil rights and we all support abolition, but they would, these were the wrong people that were a lot of Jacobins back in, in the early days. And, and a lot of the guys in the you know the '60s had other agendas going, using the civil rights movement to uh, to be holier than thou, but then promoting you know the wrong type of socialism around the country wherever they could. So they triangulate, and they're very good at you know getting out front on certain issues, and uh, and then getting people involved in things that, that aren't so good. And, and of course, that civil rights movement had a lot of flaws, and and. Uh, and Charlie Kirk has, I think, tried to point some of those out, but uh, you know the media is so quick to to just pounce on anybody that steps out of their line, as you know. And matter of fact, they chased Charlie Kirk out of Pierce County a few months ago. They uh, out of a, a church here that he was going to speak in Puyallup, and uh, uh, Seattle activists got involved to the point where they were they were making threats on the church, and the, the church ended up canceling his appearance. So. They're very powerful. The left is so powerful here. It's 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 hard to get to certain people up here without you know some kind of trouble. Sure, sure. Well, Larry, talking about the news media, this is the last thing I wanted to cover with you. I, I was a little stunned to see in the Washington Post to see my friend Larry Stickney being quoted about how proud he was of his son, which I'm with him all the way on. With you all the way on this. But your son has gotten rolled up in this extensive, ridiculous, tyrannical dragnet that the FBI has put out for folks who may or may not have committed misdemeanors yep. on the date of January sixth, yep. uh, twenty twenty one. So can we ta- can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. My son was back there, and he, you know, he's one of the guys, and he went back with the, uh, you know. Uh, you know, he's an idealistic young guy and, and a good guy and the, actually, a, you know, a gentle soul. And, uh, you know, he went to the rallies, went in the building, the uh, door was open, walked through. At some point, I think he picked up an American flag off the floor and then put it back in a, a stand on the way out. And, you know, as far as I know, that was the extent of it. And, uh, and, uh, uh, they nabbed him back in December for that, and so he's amongst this, you know, later group that's been arrested. Released him on his own personal recognizance after you know we we went and got an attorney right away, and uh, um, at any rate, they've got him on four misdemeanor charges, and they all carry, you know, it, it, you know, it, it sounds like jaywalking misdemeanors, you know, but. Uh, but uh, these federal prosecutors and the judges back there, I mean, they're they're pushing this stuff to the full extent of the law, and, and all these charges are, you know, you can get six months in prison and and uh, subs, you know thousands of dollars in fines. And and what they do is they get these guys and then they you know they seize your phone and they go through your internet searches and they they, uh, they try and de- develop you into a person of you know a bad guy you know. Uh, they make you look terrible, and then they want to they want to judge you on on who you are and not what you did, and then and then they're they're constant you know they're looking hard to lay you know look for a felony to 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 charge you with, and they're they're not nice people, and we've been told by people that have been in you know mixed up in this uh, you know that the uh, prosecutors are 
terrible and the judges are worse. So we're talking about the, you know, the DC courts here and it's just, it's just, it's not a fun group to, to deal with. And, you know, we're, you know, March 5th will be a big day for my son because he'll be in front of some of these magistrates back there. And, uh, uh, we don't know what'll happen, whether they'll kick the can down the road again, but at some point he, you know, is, you know, there's a couple of those charges like nobody's beaten. It's a 90% conviction rate on these misdemeanors, but you know, we're just hoping they don't escalate the charges to something else and come up with something. But the release of the tapes has been great because you can you can pretty much document your, your walkthrough without uh, uh, them being able to speculate on what you might have been doing in there. So, you know, we're, we're hopeful here and we're praying, but we're asking for prayer. Sure, Larry. So what's your son's name? Matthew. Yeah, Matthew Stickney. It's a great Have you got a picture of him? I thought I had one right here, and I, uh, you got one handy? With those? I, I got oh, okay. some. I got it right here. Right here. Okay, so. And see, let, let's see, you can see that. Yeah, 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 move it back just a little bit. Just let it go off a little bit. That's good. Yeah. Wife and kid. Yeah. Sure. He's a, like I said, a gentle soul. He's a. A fine man. He's on administrative leave right now uh, because, you know, he worked at the Google building of all places. And, and, uh, and so immediately those guys were all over the, you know, the contractor he works for as a building engineer and that they released him from his duties. And so he's been out of work, you know, now for a couple months. And this whole thing messes with your life and your career and uh, uncertainty and, you know, but, you know, uh, you know, we're kind of advised that at some point he's probably going to have to do some, you know, uh, a little jail time here, you know, one way or another, and, have, and be facing some big fines. So the, the guys early on, you know, they were clapping them in irons and throwing them in, what they're, in the D.C. jail, which the conditions have not been good. So uh, No, they haven't. So, Larry, I, I'm sure people in our audience will be happy to pray for your son, but I'm sure yeah. he could also use a little financial help. Yeah. But the uh, the legal bills now on the back of that card, if I'm not mistaken, is a way if you want to show that. Yeah, I can show legal too, and all you know instead of back, yeah. back up just a little bit so it can focus. Yeah, on. yeah and if, if in an easy way is to Google in give send go, and then you can search for Matt Stickney, and it would take you right to his. Okay, so just go to give send go dot com go. Yep. And, and then look for Matt or Matthew Stickney. Matt, Matt Stickney. Yeah, Matthew Stickney. It'll it'll pop right up. All right, we're going to put that on our website, too. Yeah, and this, this gives the actual web link there, too. But uh, I know that's hard for people to jot down, but that's a, it's an easy Google search. And uh, and anybody wants to get a hold of me, I can point them in the right direction, too. Yeah, yeah well, well, there, there. It's, it's, it's it keeping a focus now, so... Yeah, Give, Send, Go, you can uh, use that address or just go, like Larry said, to the Give, Send, Go website, givesendgo.com, and look up Matthew Stickney, and you can help him out with a few bucks with this very expensive legal fight that he has in front of him. Yeah, and if, if you know, some people are, you know, there's also a Venmo, and that's at Larry Stickney 1, and that goes to Matt's. Okay, and that might be easier for a lot of people. And Larry, this is a world I don't know a whole lot about. Yeah, right. And if it's just no guy that writes checks and stuff, but anyway. You know, right now, 
you know, our main thing is we're asking for prayer for the family and, and, uh, absolutely. And, and it, you know, as, as things get going down, we're, we're keeping people posted wherever we can here. You got a letter from me. I did. I got it in the mail. So, so Larry, we appreciate you. You are a tremendous example for people who are just now realizing there's something very, very wrong with the country and we need to do something about it. So I want to thank you for your service in every regard. We will pray for your son. Please keep in touch with me. And thank you so much for appearing on our decision. Well, thank you, Lou. It was just great to hear from you and great to see you again. All right. Take care. This is Bet Hour of Decision. My name is Lou Moore. You can see or you can listen or see our decision at News for America at newsforamerica.org. Thanks a lot. Take care, Larry. God bless.